Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, Executive Editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Drew Elliott, the Global Creative Director at MAC Cosmetics. Welcome, Drew. Thank you. So, Drew, you're new to the MAC family. It's been about four months. I am. I, I think of myself as a distant cousin who's finally made myself into the family because I have been around Mac, loved Mac since I moved to New York when I was 19 years old. I met John Dempsey, who has been on your podcast, and it was amazing, incredible. Um, but I have always been around the brand and always done projects and things with Mac. So I feel like I finally landed in the hot seat. So you had a publishing background, a very significant and successful publishing background prior to joining the family. Um, Tell me a little bit about making that move. Why were you interested? What was relatable and what wasn't? Well, I was at Paper Magazine since I was 19, on and off. So I have worked in, basically in pop culture. I went to college for pop culture. I love pop culture. And so I've always thought of Mac as being at the center of pop culture. So if if pop culture could be a brand of cosmetics, it would be Mac. And so to me, it was just a new kind of editorial challenge to bring it to the beauty world. When you think about your relationship with beauty beyond Mac, were you a beauty junkie? Were you someone who really understood the lamps- landscape? Were you trying all the products? Obsessed. I, I've i always been obsessed with beauty. In fact, I tell people this funny story. I'm from a small town in Indiana. And when I was 15, or no, 15, I was I had to be younger in fifth grade. I don't even know. 11. How, 11. When I was 11 years old, we had a hobby, a hobby show. And I, my mom was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to do makeup. And if you can only imagine a 11-year-old boy in the middle of Indiana saying, I want to have a makeup station. And that's what I did. I had a makeup station where I did special effects and character makeup inside of the gym at Benford Elementary School. How did it go? It was amazing. And people were like, that's so weird. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh oh my gosh, this is transformational. And I would do all these wild makeups and people went nuts. And I was like, ever since then, I was I was kind of hooked. When you talk about your relationship at Paper Magazine, what you did there, I mean, I think people really know you for obviously like breaking the internet and all of those incredible covers that you helped create at Paper. What was so exciting about doing that for them and on the publishing side? And what do you think is exciting about doing it for a brand? I think, you know, the whole landscape of media had to change. And I think I I worked in the world of digital and I worked with, I worked at a company called The Audience and it was basically, we put 600 celebrities on social media. So it was a joint venture between Ari Emanuel from WME and Sean Parker from Facebook. When was this? Um, That was in 2012. And um, with a, a wonderful man named Oliver Luckett. And basically it was to put all these amazing, talented people on social. And so I realized that publishing really had to change and that the conventional ways of reaching audiences was old. And it wasn't just editor to fan. It was the fans really wanted to be part of the conversation. And so when I left Los Angeles and came back to New York, I was, I had this, I was like, I need another chance to try this out again. And so I I went back to paper and I really, I I wanted to do something disruptive. And if you can imagine, it it was basically (laughs) the hardest job of, of taking a magazine, a legacy magazine called Paper and turning it into a digital brand. And I was like, what can do that? And so 
the Kim Kardashian Break the Internet became, you know, that it's basically an event inside of the internet. And I knew that I could game the internet in an interesting way. And so I believe that can be across anything. It's not about publishing. It's just about understanding the world of digital and turning things into something that fans can really get excited about. You know, with Kim and starting with Kim, you really set a standard there. (laughs) So kind of going above and beyond each time, how were you able to do that? You know, I think I I think that people think it's all about money or it's all about a big budget or it's all about any of those. It's not. It's about creating a spectacular, remarkable idea that fans are going to love. If you can do that, then you can reach anyone. And it can be in an emotional way. It can be a beauty image. I did Christina Aguilera and took off all of her makeup, and that that was shocking. So it doesn't always have to be scandalous. It doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have to be funny. It can be anything you want it to be as long as you consider the audience first. So back to Mac and back to the beauty landscape. Um, you know, influencers have been having an interesting trajectory there. You know, it started very much mega influencers. Now we're in this micro moment. Brands kind of don't know how to rely on influencers when they need so much content. As an outsider now coming in, what do you think? I think that the influence, I think the influencer landscape is interesting and I think it will continue to change. So I I see that there is a a bit of a shift. And I think that we're looking more for experts. So we're looking for not just people who have influence and also have large audiences, which is very important, but also people who are experts and who set trends and who can really look at what's happening in the cultural currency and take note of those things and turn that into a beauty look or into a beauty trend. And so I think that that is is very important. So I think gone are the days that things are so transactional, you know, where it's, we're Working this brand one day and this brand the next day and this, I think that that's become fatigued as far as the audiences who love them and know them. And so I think we're looking for new ways to introduce that. Like, for instance, um, you know, we we were talking about Mac makers. That's really, we really take amazing influencers globally and have them help us build a product. So as opposed to just signing on and, and you know, doing doing a makeup look or, or doing whatever it is and, you know, hashtag spawn and all that type of thing. We wanted to actually create something with them that would be personal to them and exciting to their audience. When you think about incubating that talent, um, you know, obviously you guys did that very well with Patrick Starr and your relationship with Patrick. Um, but, you know, those deals are very hard to come come by. You know, one influencer committing to you for X amount of years, X amount of product. So how are you beyond creating product with them, engaging with them. I think I think that Mac's responsibility is to do two things. It is to find the brand new and the person who you haven't necessarily heard of who is has an extreme talent. And so every day I am scouring the internet, scouring culture, and finding the people who are truly changing the industry. Um, whether it be they're a makeup artist or they are creating a wild product or they're doing something that's just really disruptive, how do we bring them into the beauty family? That's number one. And then on the other side of it is how do we take someone who is extremely famous and use beauty to transform them or use beauty to be a a way to to really talk to their audience in a in a new and different way. And so that is that is Max 
very unique positioning in that we can do both of those things well. So on the first point, who is the next person? Who is the next big thing that we should be looking at? Well, I'm going to share a little secret. Please so, do. <laughs> so, like, for instance, if we look at the the amazing culture of television. So things, of course, things have been coming from backstage. We, you know, Mac has been a leader at Runway Trends for years. And so now I think we have to look into the entire landscape of, of pop culture and also what's happening in film and television. So there was a moment in the history of beauty that happened this year. Um, and it was the launch date of Euphoria. That day changed makeup. And so part of that is connecting with that cast who really resonates with young people. And so we actually are working with Alexa Demi, and she will be the face of a new eye campaign that we're working on. Um, and not only Alexa, but also her amazing makeup artist, Raul. And so it's not just the celebrity, but also their artist who they've cultivated their look and feel. Um, so that is very, very important to us is it's not just the amazing talent, but also the talent behind the talent. And I think that's a, a part of the Mac culture is the artistry of things. So it's not just, it's not just famous people and famous um, moments. It's also about who are those people who are bringing that face to life. How do you think that's changed? Because, I mean, if the Kardashians taught us anything, it's that everyone in their universe is now just as famous as they are. Sure. So when you think about the makeup artists or hairstylists or whoever is behind the talent, they themselves are becoming the talent. Enormous. They have huge audiences because they are trendsetters themselves. So, you know, they, they have many clients or they have many different looks or things that they're becoming famous for. And I, f I find that, you know, completely incredible. And Mac has been doing it for years. We have nearly 20,000 artists around the world who have been creating trends, amazing um, innovation. We have an amazing lipstick called Powder Kiss, which was actually born out of a need backstage to have um, a lipstick that was matte, but also moisturized your lips at the same time. So if you can imagine, all of these amazing creative people have ideas that can turn into products, that can turn into trends, that can turn into campaigns. So it's really how do you take this brain trust of all these amazing people, put it all together, and then come out with something that consumers will absolutely love? Is it harder today, given that so much is pay for play? No. It is not harder today because you have to be smart. You have to be on it. You have to be watching. You have to understand what's happening in the currency of culture. And you have to know when to strike and also when to just go full force and and just really place some big bets. So speaking of big bets, you also mentioned that you were looking at, you know, bigger faces, bigger celebrities that are able to really tap into their community and that audience. Who are you thinking about? I can't tell you, um, but I, I can tease that we have a very exciting spokesperson for the most, most important campaign we do every year, which is Viva Glam. Um, it is a, a global campaign, and Viva Glam, um, if you don't know, is an amazing charitable arm to what we do. And it has, um, over um, the last, it'll now be 26 years, has raised over $500 million in support of HIV AIDS. And now the mission has expanded to women and also LGBTQ rights, um, which is very important. So 
being the face of that is a game changer. It's, you know, it's been everyone from Ariana Grande to um, Lady Gaga. So they're very important people. And it's it's kind of like that rite of passage for, for an artist. And so the next person we have, I believe, is a game changer, um, is a history breaker, and someone that you will be excited about, I hope. Drew, bringing up Viva Glam and, and Mac's charitable arm and giving and, and interests, Mac has always had the right messages around inclusivity, diversity, um, really catering to audiences that were overlooked or considered niche in popular culture. You know, how do you remind customers today that Mac has always been doing this when every brand is talking about this? Well, I think as you cross the threshold of many of our stores, it says all ages, all races, all genders. It's built into the floor as you walk through the store. So it is something that we don't just stand behind. It's our the foundation of our stores is built on. And I think it is in everything we do from the artist's that we work with and the artists that work inside of our stores to the campaigns and how those are cast. But I think that the the piece that reminds people that is that is what our job is and I always call it nostalgia. So it's 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 using something that's modern to tell that story again of the roots that you came from. So, you know, since since, since I always say um, we've been inclusive since inception, which is absolutely the case. Um, Frank and Frank, who are the founders of Mac Cosmetics, um, that was their that was their whole mission. And and you really saw it even, you know, even in the very, very early days of Mac. Those, those Mac counters were filled of the most interesting characters and people, regardless of age or race or gender. It was an, an explosion of culture. And I think now everyone has caught on to that. And so now it's time for Mac to reinvent our positioning inside of that. So what does that reinvention look like? That reinvention looks like... I think I'm figuring that part out. I think I know what it is. Um, but I think it's about um, I think it's about who we we invite into helping us make that expression um, and then being open arms to our fans. I think our fans are there to tell us what's the right thing to do and what's right for them. And I think it's it's the listening to what they're saying and then making sure we're at the service to them both with product and also the different looks and and you you know how what it's like inside of beauty right so it's it's the culture moves and the culture changes so whether it was a contour look to a visco girl look that's all happened in in a year what i think is spectacular and what i love about mac is is we have so many products that no matter what you want to look like we are inclusive because no matter what your beauty look is, no matter your skin tone, no matter the expression that you want to make, we have a color, a shade, and a texture that's going to let you do it. Do you think it's harder to do within a prestige positioning, considering that Mac is part of the Estee Lauder families, when all these digitally native brands or Gen Z brands are you know, more mass and they are able to play in that Ulta space or that drugstore space where you know price point comes into play with you guys. Of course. I think, you know, we are in Alta. We are in in amazing places. And we, we do maintain that prestige because I believe we offer a very quality product, whether it's, you know, you will see it in the new formulation of our eyeshadows. You will see it in all of the products that we bring to market are, you know, 
extremely tested. Ex there's a lot of research and development that goes into them. And there's a lot of just innovation and excitement. And I think um, the quality and, and, you know, also just the artistry that goes around it. And our stores, I have to say, is is really important as well because not only do we make these wonderful products, but we have the most talented people to explain to you how to use those. I give you the example. When I first started at Mac, I, I flew <laughs> to Indiana um, for Thanksgiving and I took my sisters to a Mac store and they had never really owned makeup. And they had an artist explain to them, how to wear highlighter, how, what foundation was right for them. And so it wasn't just a, it was emotional kind of, if I'm honest, because not only did they get to use these amazing products that were quality, but also they had someone there that could help them use all the things that were just right for them. Let's talk about stores for a second, because I know Mac is revamping and rethinking the way that they approach standalone stores. What does that look like for you? Well, I think we're going through a series of, of kind of like evolution around what that looks like. We have, you know, we have so many stores around the world and we're really looking at all of the different formats and what's going to work best for the customer. So in Shanghai, we have a wonderful store that is very tech savvy and has so many, you know, wonderful, um, you know, screen experiences and ways that you can test things and try things on without actually applying them. Um, all the way down to, you know, we have stores that have a wide variety of products that service professionals and people who who need a, a large, large variety. And so I think what we are looking at is what's going to be right for the customer. Do they need more experience? Do they need more SKUs and products? And that's what we're looking at across the world. And that is what we are looking to solve, as well as bringing in that form of entertainment and artistry at the same time. Do you think beauty experiences really make sense in standalone stores? Like, what does that look like for Mac? Because some stores and some brands, like, just have a speaker there. Some people do a makeup tutorial, and they call that an event, or that's education. What does it look like from Mac's point of view? I think it's a both. I think people want to come and self-explore, and I think they want to see what's right for them. And they, they don't want to be bothered. They can self-shop, and they can do all those things. Some really need that hands-on experience. They might have seen hundreds of YouTube tutorials or seen something online and they wanna know how to achieve that. And so we have an artist solution that's there. And then also we offer master classes. We have Mac Pro, so we have actual leaders in the industry explaining how to use things. So I think it's, I think it's one of those things where what's great is we have so many touch points for our consumers so they can really go in and have the experience that they want, not the one that we dictate. So not to harp on stores, Drew, but what needs to happen in the middle of the country? Obviously, those stores need to look very different from your metro stores. And women are going to strip malls to go to a Kroger or go to Target. What do those stores need to look like? I think, I think that there is a large landscape of stores that we need in store formats. So I think, you know, to to your point, I think that the the metro areas and what we would call a flagship, that needs to be that really heightened, you know, it's almost like a Disney experience, right? So that we have something when people are coming to our tourist destination that they're going to really have a great time. And then in strip malls and places like where I'm from in Indiana, it's so important that 
when people see a trend on television or they see it in an Instagram feed that they feel just as welcome in the center of the country um, or wherever they may be in a small town, um, you know, in Asia or wherever that is, that they can also participate because that's part of the inclusive message is that we are we are for all. And so you can come and participate in a trend and a look that's happening. Um, you know, the the store format, I think, is built around what is needed in that area. And how does that play back to digital? I mean, digital is the starting point of all things, as far as I'm considered, because it is the place where we really find and discover. So, you know, even myself, it's I, I'm pre-shopping, I'm pre-looking. I want to understand what is the benefit of this. Why would I get this? What is the you know what is this person saying? What is you know it's it's where we kind of get that education and understand what things are. And then the the brand website is a place where we can really explore like what are the ingredients? What are those things like? How how do we bring all of those things to life in a digital way? And then if you want to come into a store, you're welcome to. If you want to buy online, you can do that too. We talked about Instagram a bit earlier in the conversation, but how are you approaching the other platforms, whether it be TikTok, which is, you know, everything that everyone's talking about right now, and also your own site, because that's obviously under your purview as well. Of course. I think I look at it in many different ways. So I think the story always gets started inside of social. So where you're really looking and the behavior of consumers is they're really looking in their social feeds first. Of course, they might be searching green lipstick. And in that case, we have just the right thing for you. But if you don't know what you're looking for and you're just exploring inside of your, your you know, the world that you've built through the curation of your Instagram feed or whatever that may be, I think that that's, that's the place where people start. When it comes to platforms like TikTok, that's an amazing place for us to reach young people. And I think we're doing it, um, you know, we're, we're just getting started on TikTok. And I think, you know, challenges, there's no better place to hashtag level up or, you know, transformation. Like Mac is that brand. And so we have such an opportunity in that, you know, everything to Pinterest to, you know, the conversations that are happening in beauty around Twitter. So we're really looking across the ecosystem to find the best place to really connect in with those influencers really connect into those conversations. And then when it comes to the landing onto brand.com, onto maccosmetics.com, we must make sure that that experience is seamless and what you feel you came for, we delivered you right into and that we're giving you an expanded experience and more storytelling around the thing that you want. When you think about that from a practical standpoint, is that more user-generated content? Is that more... Um, campaigns that live in store and on social and in digital, what do you think the through line needs to be? It's definitely not campaigns. It's definitely more evergreen content and also UGC where it's appropriate. So it's building that ecosystem and that trend look and feel in a way that is going to match the customer experience and the reason that they came in. So I think What's wonderful about digital is it's all about receipts. You know exactly why someone came to you because you have a source of, you know, what drove them there. And so we can deliver on that experience every single time. So, Drew, talk to me a little bit about what other brands in the landscape are talking about, which is that social content doesn't necessarily drive conversion or that doesn't really necessarily have a dotted line to brand awareness. How do you decide what to invest in from that standpoint if you don't if you know these receipts? I think it's very important to, A, look at the complexion of your audience and understand who they are. That's the most important thing that we need to do first. So 
Do you have an audience filled of deal seekers? Do you have an audience that is not really matching of your brand? Are they coming just to see great lipstick? Do they want to see products? So it's understanding why they've raised their hand to follow you in the first place. That's number one. When you start thinking about influencers, it's are they going to bring you an additive group of people who are going to like your brand? Not that they are the most famous, that they are the most you know shiny toy type of person, but rather, is it going to be someone that's going to lock into the brand and be interested in what you offer? When you boil those two things, and those are the really big drivers, of course, mixed with advertising, which has to be hyper-targeted. When you then bring all of that together and then have them land on your, your site, then you have to really make sure that you deliver on the promise. Did you make it as exciting? as what they clicked out of their feed to come and see you for. And I think that is that is our main job. So as you look forward into 2020, how are you going to do that for maccosmetics.com and all of your social channels? You know, I think that that's I I think that's my jam. That's what I do. That's that's what I love to do. I think I think surprising and delighting, you know, fans inside of social is where I really have spent a lot of my time. And I think it's 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 a balance. It's a balance of, you know, of course, running basic business and running campaigns and doing all of that type of thing. But also, um, you know, for instance, where we are in the promotion of, of um, Valentine's Day right now. But our take on Valentine's Day is how to get the perfect Cupid's bow, which is a conversation that's huge in beauty. But it's it's something that ties into Valentine's Day in a very interesting way. So I think just learning those nuances of what's happening in culture and marrying it to our business, again, what's great about Mac is, is, is that we have such a wide variety of things and such a wide variety of products that can make the perfect look is we can really match those with what's happening in culture and deliver you a, a great experience no matter what the look is that you want. So there's nothing you can t- share right now, Drew, in terms of revealing what Mac has in store. Well, I I I, I can tell you this. I can tell you um, our site will get a little dust off. Um, we will have some very interesting um, that there's a major focus on social, and there are some major focuses on how we will expand that. And um, I think globally, we will have um, some very interesting, exciting things as well. Thank you so much, Drew. It was great having you. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. See you next week.